Hello and welcome to Value Research Podcasts. You are listening to the Fund Manager Interviews. Stay tuned for insightful conversations on the markets, funds and professional journeys of the fund managers. For today's interaction, I'm joined by my colleague Chirag from Mumbai and we have with us Ankit Jain, a fund manager at Mire Asset Mutual Fund. Welcome Ankit. Yeah, hi, yeah, uh, thank you. So, uh, Ankit, you started your journey at Mire Mutual Fund as a research analyst in 2015. And it was in 2019 that you started managing the Mire Asset Blue Chip Fund. So, how does that experience of being a research analyst help you manage funds? As in, what were the key lessons that you learned during that period? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, so my journey uh, in Mire, um, I mean, as you rightly mentioned, started in uh, 2015. Uh, I mean, as a research analyst, tracking mid and small cap sector. Then, uh, then obviously started tracking uh, some of the mainstream sector, autos, consumer. Uh, and then we have got one this interesting uh, product, um, which is thematic product, great consumer fund. So that was the first product from the fund management standpoint came my way in October 2016. So so in that sense, I think, um, I mean, it's been now almost seven years uh, yeah, since uh, since I started into the fund management space. But then, uh, then obviously, I mean, since I've been tracking um, um, I mean, mid and small cap research for my earlier part of my career and even within Mire. Uh, so, so naturally, I mean, I think mid cap mandate was the natural sort of a choice for me. Um, so, so I think that is how I started getting involved in mid cap mandates, certain offshore mandates. Um, I mean, and then domestic mid cap uh, mandate also happened around four, uh, uh, four years back plus. And then this flagship uh, product which you talked about, emerging blue chip, which is also is, is a good combination of large and mid cap uh, uh, products. So I think it is all about, um, I mean, I think um, your ability to identify businesses, um, I mean, try to forecast, uh, I mean, I think uh, their ability to generate growth, cash flows in the future, and then try to discount uh, it to really arrive at a business value. So I think it is all about bottom of stock selection through the dif- different set processes, um, I mean, which has been laid out and try to follow those processes um, in across the cycle. I think that remains the key uh, sort of a learning. Um, um, I mean, as I mean, as I move forward from, let's say, I mean, research analyst role to the fund management role. And I think um, uh, that basically is still, uh, I mean, it still continues. Yeah. Okay. All right. And can you explain your investment philosophy and your approach to managing equity portfolios now? So investment philosophy is the three key part of it uh, to start with the business selection side of it. Um, uh, Second is management evaluation. and Third is arriving at an uh, intrinsic value of the business valuation side of it. So uh, business selection side, uh, India being a growing economy, first priority always about to invest in growth oriented businesses. So, which is about any business which has got longer term growth potential, uh, at least double digit sort of a growth. Uh, I think that remains the first priority. And uh, it is all, it is not only about the top line growth, right? Ultimately, that has to translate into the profit growth and the cash flow. Growth. So, uh, uh, so I think that is how typically uh, we do go about it. Uh, I mean, in terms of identifying entry barriers, uh, uh, I mean, try to... Um, uh, I mean, try to look into uh, because those entry barriers really, uh, I mean, business should have some sort of an entry barrier because then only it can translate into the 
top line into the profits and cash flow growth. Um, uh, so to really look into that, we look at maybe ROI as a matrix. Um, uh, uh, I mean, historical ROI, if let's say company has been able to generate maybe within last 10 years, average ROI more than cost of capital throughout the cycle. So which means business has added value to the minority shareholder, right? So that is another sort of a key um, key aspect of it when it comes to the business selection apart from the growth side of it. Second, management evaluation is about uh, both qualitative as well as quantitative factor goes into it. Um, I mean, uh, qualitative factors are like thought leadership of the management, historical capital allocation, historically how management has gone about increasing addressable market because that is how typically <laughs> you want to size it, right? I mean, larger is the opportunity size, longevity of the group also do increases significantly <clears throat> so looking into the management thought leadership uh, i mean uh, becomes a key uh, sort of an important aspect and then uh, um, i mean then uh, then really try to look into the corporate governance side of it through various measures um, i mean again looking into the uh, historical capital allocation then looking into the board of directors auditors cash tax paid historical cash flow conversion i think some of these do remain uh, uh, very very important and then more so in case of mid and small cap companies doing a lot of primary checks uh, i think is become become even much more important in terms of uh, looking into businesses uh, uh, i mean uh, try to interact wherever possible uh, with different stakeholder of the company uh, who are dealing uh, i mean dealing with the company to really get first hand sort of an uh, i mean experience about that so I think uh, these become some of the key sort of a, uh, differentiators uh, when it comes to that full hang on to the management evaluation side of it. And third is about the valuation, which is about building up longer term growth forecast for the company and then try to discount it future cash flows. Uh, so I think these three remains uh, the key sort of a, um, uh, I mean, um, tick box or processes, uh, I mean, when we try to evaluate business, when it comes to the portfolio construction, I mean, ideally all of those three parameters passing through company comes into the portfolio and then that obviously is a sub, I mean, subject to the uh, basically underlying uh, benchmark weightages as well, particularly at a sectoral level. Just wanted to understand what are the metrics you analyze before zeroing in the stocks in the mid cap portfolios and how is it different from, you know, looking at the large cap stocks? No, so typically, I mean, I think the process remains the same. I mean, this, the, I mean, the business selection uh, uh, side of it, then uh, typically the management evaluation side of it. In case of mid and small cap, really, uh, maybe the ask rate for the growth might even have to be even higher, right? I mean, in case of any large cap stock, if you are satisfied with 10% sort of a growth CAGR potential, ideally, the hurdle rate in case of mid and small cap, that growth rate has to be higher. I mean, ideally 12-13% at least because, because then only, I mean, it is worth uh, sort of evaluating and taking uh, uh, the bet on uh, uh, on that particular space, right? So that is one and maybe another differentiating factor could be uh, that you have to dwell maybe a bit more deeper when it comes to the management evaluation side of it. because. Typically, uh, mid-cap now, see, over time now, mid-cap has also evolved and have become very, very sizable. But yeah, maybe if, if you look into maybe in case of small cap stocks, uh, um, in terms of management evaluation, 
um, I try to do a lot of primary checks. I mean, uh, 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 I mean, apart from let's say a normal uh, sort of a qualitative, quantitative analysis on the corporate governance side uh, of it, it is because see, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, in case of mid and small cap stocks, you are uh, taking too much bet onto the particular management individual who is really steering the organization, right? So really, to get more comfort around the management thought leadership side of it becomes even more important criteria when it comes to the, uh, the really selecting mid and small cap stocks. So that is maybe much more sort of additional labor. But apart from that, see, uh, when it comes to the, I mean, uh, business evaluation or maybe overall stock selection philosophy, I mean, I think that pretty much remains the same, which I spoken about um, uh, business selection i mean starts with business selection management evaluation and then third the valuation side of it and uh, so, sorry i mean on this management side of it when i talked about primary checks it is more about uh, i mean i think a lot of groundwork also being involved uh, i mean in this uh, wherever you get an opportunity try to meet different stakeholder of the businesses and then try to sort of a cross check around that and then try to get much much more uh, uh, i mean nuances uh, of business as well as the management out there and then third is the valuation right i mean uh, uh, so 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 it is all about discounting of future cash flows right to arrive at intrinsic value of the business so so typically try to look into the discounted cash flow sort of a methodology to uh, to really value any particular business so yeah uh, Ankit, you rightly mentioned, you know, in, uh, while looking at the small cap stocks, uh, the, the the promoter is very important factor. Uh, so, uh, you know, what are the, uh, and they carry the promoter, uh, promoter risk also. So what kind of extra due diligence do you exercise when it comes to the small cap stocks? You mentioned it, but can you just elaborate your uh, uh, thinking on, on the, on this promoter side? Yeah. And also uh, see, it is about, um, I mean, one, let's say, um, on the see historical number will in itself will throw quite a lot of picture right i mean uh, the, so one is let's say quantitative side of it and second is the qualitative side of it quantitative you can uh, try to evaluate through the numbers itself uh, you just try to scan through last 10 years sort of numbers comparison some of the let's say cash flow conversion metrics your historical rois and um, I mean, I think some of these things, uh, let's say cash tax paid, uh, I mean, every year, uh, some of these things, uh, I mean, can uh, can really throw the some sort of a basic hygiene uh, uh, factor about the business, right? So, so that is one side of it. And second, you try to look into, let's say, their auditors, board of directors. Uh, uh, I mean, I think some of those side also, I mean, I think becomes very, very important. And then, uh, uh, then as I mentioned, that lot of sort of primary checks, right? Uh, which is about suppose in a manufacturing company, if there is, if you do get hold of, let's say, meeting with any supplier who is supplying to that company, so that can give a lot of insights about, uh, I mean, about the company, their policies, their payment cycle, their inventory holding period, uh, dealings uh, through, let's say, I mean, different. Um, ways and means in case if there is any sort of red flags out there so uh, so i think these are typically uh, i mean uh, uh, remains then then obviously the promoter shareholding over time promoter pledge and uh, i mean there are so many other factors out there yeah but uh, do you also meet the promoters in the small cap side uh, frequently and you know uh, zero in the stocks 
before you, do you meet them before buying in the stocks yeah 100% yes i mean in case of small cap stocks yes um, i mean uh, though see i mean typically these days uh, i mean even smallest of the small cap company also do host quarterly con calls uh, very detailed presentations out there so uh, so i think in terms of data disclosures um, i mean i think there is enough and more to do the research work um, i mean from the publicly available information right so i will say that i mean i think um, quite a lot of work can be done even without meeting also but having said that um, i mean clearly uh, taking any big call at the end of the day a person who is running uh, the show Mm -hmm. get a lot more comfort around let's say talking to the management even let's say visiting their plants and then um, and even let's say try to meet the second second line of management uh, uh, i mean uh, i mean below the promoter or maybe owner of the business so uh, so i think some of these processes over time do take let's say more sort of a time i mean it is not like that everything can be do at first hand and then uh, i mean then uh, then only you will go about taking the call but obviously i mean in this entire process as and when you start getting more and more comfort you do then try to build a sort of a further position into it yeah okay okay, okay. Uh, so how do you access the growth potential and the competitive advantage of you know a mid cap or a small cap small cap company and when and what kind of stock becomes a compelling buy for you so see i mean one is the sort of a set template around right um, i mean which is about and there is no sort of a i mean i will say uh, i mean uh, nothing differentiating factor um, i mean in that process right i mean if you try to look into the growth potential i mean longer term i mean 12 13% growth cagr and then try to look into best roi maybe 15% plus and all so some of these are like the sort of a set templates i mean you have to follow but then obviously uh, i mean i think some of these things will be will be available at its own price right because market is now maybe uh, uh, i mean in in basically many of the well known sort of a stories uh, is sort of a in reasonably value but really i mean i think the key element uh, and conviction Uh, try to build in conviction comes in where uh, uh, that uh, where is let's say anything um, any company let's say going under temporary sort of a rough phase uh, maybe because of uh, maybe industry itself might not be doing good because of let's say suppose very high inflation consumer sentiments are adverse so temporarily i mean let's say company volume growth might not be good right but historical there has been good sort of a track record you are having confident on to the i mean confidence on the management so try to work around uh, into some of these sort of a sector industries where there is a quite a lot of disbelief about next one year sort of earning projection uh but then you believe that let's say some of these factors has to turn it around uh, i mean companies pretty well capable to really uh, i mean try through that particular cycle and earnings can rebound very very swiftly so i think uh, so our idea always remains that apart from the set sort of a template uh, uh, i mean try to uh, have a good exposure around i think companies or businesses where uh, let's say there is some sort of a disbelief around uh, but then uh, uh, disbelief plus growth right I mean, whenever uh, the things may be things might be bad maybe because of one let's say top down industry growth itself might be a challenge second could be let's say there might be temporary sort of a margin 
pressure might be there into the company maybe that happens in case of maybe more like manufacturing companies or maybe commodity companies or maybe even consumer companies also right i might not be able to pass on in the price so, uh, yeah. right and then the uh, then the third thing could be let's say there might be company specific uh, issues there might be some management change or maybe company might have gone through rough phase in terms of execution and all that so so some of these areas uh, i mean uh, is is where typically i mean uh, you would like to spend more and more time around to really identify some of the factors which can really uh, turn it around or, or over the course and what could be those factors are try to work around there and then try to arrive at an uh, the sort of intrinsic value of the business so in this entire process uh, at Uh, while trying to arrive at a value do some sort of a sensitivity or maybe scenario analysis and then that will uh, i mean give you much more comfort whether the ask rate is what right i mean currently uh, so i think this is another bucket uh, i mean when it comes to the <clears throat> uh, let's say overall portfolio construction side of it so i think second bucket is where typically uh, i mean also do spend uh, i mean a good amount of time to really be able to identify it. companies yeah if i'm not mistaken is more of a contra kind of play rather than pure value yeah 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 you can say i mean one is the let's say contra side of it and second even let's say pure value as well let's say i mean in case if many of the businesses if there is a let's say business sell out value might be higher than current market cap so that might be a pure pure deep in value businesses but see another thing to remember while taking call in the second bucket which you might say let's say contra or participating deep in value businesses is also about not to fall in trap of value trap right i mean so you, so 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 it is bit of a double edged i mean double edged sword also right so one one thing to avoid that sort of a trap you have to be very very comfortable about the business longer term growth potential the inherent growth drivers for that particular industry in which the company is catering to and second reasonable confidence on to the management uh, uh, i mean as well right now the fun house has been an outlier in terms of having exposure to e-commerce companies in the last two years specifically so why are you so upbeat on the new age companies so it is again about i think most of these businesses fitting in into our investment framework of of business um, i mean again going back to business selection side of it again i think long run before growth many of these businesses whichever segment they are participating i think addressable market is huge and many of these businesses are market leader in their respective sub segments uh, with proven track record uh, proven business model and um, and i think very very long run before growth right uh, and uh, and being market leader itself is an entry barrier right i mean in in basically many of these segments you look into food delivery space to player market you look into e-commerce um, i mean space um, i mean again i think lines sort of a market share so many of these businesses have got very strong entry barrier in that sense the scale which they have achieved and plus on top of that they are sitting on a pretty good balance sheet because they might have raised the capital in a very very timely manner so to that extent i think is sitting uh, with a uh, with a very strong cash on the balance sheet that also acts in a 
as an entry barrier when many of their competitors are struggling to raise uh, cash right in in the private market so so this is about the business selection second again management evaluation you try to look into many of these businesses are again i think backed by very strong i mean strong founders with with i think impeccable track record many of them are technocrats with very strong board of directors corporate governance side of it um, um again i think thought i mean thought leadership wise i mean i think um, uh, many of these things do really stand out um, and then third coming in on to the valuation that becomes a quite tricky piece i mean when it comes to uh, really value some of these businesses because clearly i think at least on reported basis many of these companies are not profitable but then you have to further sort of a bifurcate that into the their ability to generate cash flows and which is any which way um, i mean i think many of these companies have already shown that particular um, uh, i mean traits right i mean they have already started um, i mean becoming profitable and as and when scale goes up and then try to do sensitivity analysis around there and then try to look into the discounted cash flow sort of evaluations right so so i think most of these businesses were fitting in perfectly in our sort of evaluation framework and that is how i think um, i mean i think uh, i mean we have been quite positive about this particular space and more so for let's say last one one and a half year i mean at least one year also yeah you you mentioned profitability but when it comes to uh, you know e-commerce companies like nike telefree they're far from making any profit so does it not scare you so <clears throat> one is about the reported pnl uh, right uh, so there are two three things are there i mean that is why i said that you have to <clears throat> dwell a bit more deeper rather than the reported numbers uh, one is reported pnl uh, do include quite a lot of non cash item like esop charges and all and that is why i think uh, <clears throat> i mean profitability by it comes into quite a bit of a negative number uh, so one you have to adjust that because that is a non cash item that is not going out from the pocket of the company because you have already counted those esops in terms of fully diluted uh, i mean number of shares right when arriving at earnings per share or cash flow per share or book value per share right so so uh, so that is one second see many of these businesses are continuously increasing their addressable market right so in that process while let's say their core segment might already be profitable but some part of that cash flow is really going to seed some of the newer businesses within the organization right so to that extent i think if you really try to bifurcate uh, i mean uh, the business into these two bucket one is the core sort of a business which has been established that is how the company has started that is already generating cash flow and then try to forecast growth prospect for that particular segment separately try to do value of that because the point remains that if you are not going to seed something else then um, i mean then clearly your addressable market longevity of the growth might also gets compromised so in that process really i mean is it fair to penalize doubly uh, on on both these counts so so what my point is that rather than going into the reported pnl which will show you uh the um, the negative picture i mean in terms of the reported number you have to dwell a bit more deeper to to do some of these sort of analysis here ampit just wanted to understand uh talking about the e-commerce companies uh we have seen one of the uh, you know a logistics company um uh you have bought in the last 3 to 4 months and there is a, there has been a market leader uh 
uh, in that particular category, like blue dot compared to delivery. Just wanted to understand what is the reason because you know uh, at one side we have a uh, uh, blue dot which is an established business, profitable business, and on the other side delivery, you know, which is loss making, burning cash. Yeah, no. So see, it is all about <clears throat> looking uh, into the I mean business holistically, trying to look into their unit economics. Uh, trying to look into how the operating leverage can play out, how is the longer run before growth. I mean, here, I mean, if we're trying to compare, uh, let's try to compare the growth um, uh, side of it, uh, last three, four, five year growth CAGR will in in itself will be, I think, hugely different between the two names, I mean, which, uh, I mean, which you have mentioned just now. Similarly, I think given the positioning, I think even the growth going forward also has to be quite a lot of differential, right? Because one is the sheer scale, then the e-commerce uh, space itself, um, uh, the, the let's say third-party logistic market leader player versus the other name which you mentioned, there is a difference of at least one-sixth I mean, in terms of the number of volumes, parcels they are catering to. And in this sort of a business, I think scale becomes a very significant entry barrier because that is how the operating leverage really to play out. So even let's say in an environment when, when top down things has been a bit slow, right? Because of uh, maybe very heavy inflation, high base of COVID and all, companies have significantly improved their cost structure. So even with, let's say, relatively lower volume growth and all also, I think profitability has consistently sort of improving. So I think, uh, so so one has to really look into more holistically and then try to look into what is the business growth potential of that particular company and what could be the eventual, let's say, ROI, ROCs uh, in the future, right? Because one is more like a set heavy uh, model, one is more like a set light sort of a model. So I think one has to look, keep into mind too many things around and try to really look into maybe three, five years sort of a picture uh, to do justice uh, or let's say to try to arrive at a value of the business. Yeah. So do uh, you foresee the uh, ROC and ROA of this company's improving over the next three to five years? Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Ankit, another thing was, you know, recently uh, you have just started managing the Mirai Asset Multicap Fund. Uh, given the current rich valuation in the market, which pockets of the market attracts you the most and how do you plan to allocate that money? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I think you're right. Uh, markets uh, are quite euphoric, more so mid and small cap segment. Uh, uh, we have been seeing uh, quite a lot of euphoria getting built in out there. Uh, I mean, the underlying earnings momentums are great. Macros are favorable. Micros are also too much supportive, much more structural case around given the government policy incentivization. And then uh, I think quite a lot of things sectors are playing their own part. And some of those could be structural in nature also. So market is uh, rewarding. I mean, I think some of these things may be a bit more front uh, front loaded. So uh, the, so clearly, I mean, I think on let's say one year forward earnings and all, market will always look uh, expensive and more so in mid and small cap bucket. Uh, so as things stand today, are even let's say within multi cap product you talked about, our preference remains uh, more towards let's say large cap at at this point of a time. So we have leeway to invest up to, let's say, 45-50% into the large cap and then 25% each in mid and small cap. So I think with that sort of a thought process, we have been going about deploying the money. 
and uh, in terms of sectoral allocation i think um, uh, maybe financials consumer discretionary pharmaceutical new age businesses um, uh, yeah so some of these areas are looking uh, uh, quite uh, uh, quite interesting still still i think there are reasonable value across some of these pockets and that and that is how i mean typically uh, we are going about deploying it but having said that see we do remain uh, frankly quite constructive on the market from the longer term standpoint uh, try to build a pretty um, i mean always thought process remains that try to build a pretty good diversified uh, portfolio with good sectoral representation typically not take very heavy active sector call so in that process uh, try to minimize the risk uh, 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 and also portfolio should be able to withstand mistakes uh, uh, so so i think that remains the thought process and uh, with the similar sort of a thing uh, i mean we are putting efforts towards building portfolio for this fund as well coming back to the e-commerce and the fintech companies just can you explain three to four important parameters you know which you look forward before investing in the stocks and you know how that that will be uh, changing going forward let's take an example of uh, maybe food delivery business uh, food uh, food delivery business as such so let's say how many users they are catering to at this point of a time o overall household income maybe uh maybe seven eight lakh above sort of a household uh income so what that is what let's say maybe hundred uh, uh maybe ten maybe ten thousand dollar and above right so how many households are there right so try to bifurcate uh in into that particular target segment and then try to look into the penetration right so let's look into the uh maybe 400 sort of a aob uh i mean average order value and then uh, try to look into let's say what sort of a households can really afford it so maybe ten thousand dollar is a decent sort of a number to with basically disposable income i mean tenth i mean basically ten thousand dollar right so in terms of target set households could be more like 88 million so top down if you start with number of households could be more like 400 odd million uh, 350 to 400 odd, uh, odd million households but within that even if you try to look into maybe 20-25% of the households which might be the target sort of a audience for uh, uh, I mean for for this sort of a category and then try to look into two players serving that right so both of these put together is more like 3.2 sort of a million monthly active user right uh, user right so when I said that maybe 9 to 10 million sort of a target households which is having disposable income more than ten thousand dollar and within this maybe their current reach might be more like 3.1 uh, million monthly active use user so the penetration is let's say i mean more like maybe about 28 30 odd percent uh, uh, at this point and then it is more about the uh, sort of a frequency right and second number of household might also grow right as your per capita income goes up so maybe more and more households will come on your uh, ten thousand uh, dollar sort of a bucket and today let's say in terms of frequency is more like uh, what maybe three and a half four times a year uh, uh, so that sort of frequency will also uh, go up so if you try to do the math try to look into 
monthly transacting user multiply by frequency that will give you the monthly sort of your order and then try to look into the group so <laughs> that remains one of the key sort of a thought process which will try to give you the comfort that given the business and where it is i mean i think maybe 20 percent sort of a growth cagr is also possible plus on top of that inflation driven growth right because food inflation will also keep on increasing your average order value every year at least by maybe four five percent or so uh, so to that extent, I think some of these things keeping in mind, um, uh, try to size the market, which can boil down onto your sort of revenue growth forecast for longer term. And then, uh, then try to look into the cost side of it, unit economic side of it, right? I mean, so one is the average realization per order, which is a function of what is the, uh, what is the take take rate, uh, the commissions you do on, um, uh, plus maybe all sorts of fee, delivery fee and all that, and then try to look into the cost side of it, every line item. So <clears throat> with maybe per rider, more and more number of orders, the higher is the density within the same sort of area, your unit economics really do close up. And then try to do some sort of a global comparison around, maybe those are maybe five, seven years ahead of us in terms of overall ordering and then profitability metrics and all that so keeping all of these things in mind and then really try to put into the model into the future and then try to arrive at a value so typically i mean these are uh, i mean some of the things uh, i mean where you do start top down basis and then try to look into the intrinsic value of the business yeah so there are many factors which you you know look into before buying this kind of stocks so what according to you are the key risks which can derail them? because it's the, the hypothesis is based completely on the future outlook and the future growth quite a lot of it is to do with uh, clearly country macro outlook also because at the end of the day let's say in this case example we discussed just now quite a lot of thing it depends on to the per capita income going up right you are betting too much on that <laughs> sorry and per capita income is again is a function of how the country grows right uh, <clears throat> so i think uh, i mean everything is linked to i mean really macro if macros are not supportive company on their own do have limitation to really i mean just save on to the cost side of it uh, so if top line does not fire uh, your margin will not come for sure uh, right so i think it is all about um, i mean the growth expectations which you are building in and if companies are not able to deliver that then clearly i think some of these things are not justified at all so the next question will be you know then when do you sell it uh, not particular this stocks but other stocks also so what leads to the sell decision so uh, we do sell any position in three uh, three cases uh, one is about <clears throat> let's say fair value to exceed uh, maybe are sort of a intrinsic value by a certain margin. So maybe uh, because we have, we have got pretty, uh, I think, sector specialist out here with uh, with price targets uh, covering different sectors. And so if fair value is X uh, and let's say stock price is 1.2 X. Uh, so then uh, then obviously you try to find out if there are better alternative available within first preference remains within the same sort of a subsector. If there are better opportunities available, then try to sell it and then try to bought into something else. <clears throat> Second is about uh, if you ended up making mistakes, right? Uh, uh, maybe genuine mistakes, maybe related to one 
Mm-hmm. Your forecast itself has let's say gone for a toss. Uh, uh, so clearly, your assessment of the value will also uh, uh, get fallen, right? So in that case, you have to take a call. Uh, within this bucket, in case of any sort of a corporate governance issue to crop up, or maybe some sort of a capital allocation issues to crop up, then obviously you have to take a hard call and then, um, I mean, then try to sell it. <laughs> and third case, uh, you might have to sell it. Uh, also because of let's say this every six month classification keeps on changing right from mid to large and maybe small to mid and all that so so obviously at any given point of a time you have to maintain minimum certain uh, um, percentage across uh, each of these buckets be it let's say in case of mid cap mandate multi cap mandate large and mid cap which is ebf mandate um, which which is EBF. So in that case also, I mean, really, uh, sometimes you have to do a bit of a shuffling to uh, to be complied with the uh, with the overall mandate. Ankit, coming to the uh, Mire mid cap fund, it has seen slight underperformance in the last one year or so. So what are the reasons for the underperformance, and how are you planning to improve the performance going forward? Yeah, no, so uh, no, we have come back strongly. Uh, I mean, I think if you look into, uh, yes, it has underperformed maybe initial four or five months uh, of this calendar year. Uh, and now, uh, I mean, I think uh, last three months, uh, I, mean, it had, uh, I mean, it has recovered pretty, um, uh, I mean, pretty sharply. Uh, so because, I mean, the reason for underperformance was maybe we might be a bit early in taking overweight stance and let's say, some of the sectors like pharma, consumer discretionary, and all, um, uh, which has now really, I mean, started playing out in last three months or so. So now, if you look into even on one year basis, uh, I mean, I think it is quite comfortable. Maybe median, uh, um, I mean, in terms of peer um, uh, peer returns, and obviously since inception, uh, I mean, I think is a is a quartile one for sure. So, uh, so see, I mean, clearly in case of mid caps. Um, I mean, any business you are trying to buy in and all, I mean, at least three years sort of a thought process you to try to buy it. Sometimes uh, your thesis to play out and all, uh, I mean, might take maybe one year, six months. And um, uh, so to that extent, I think really, I mean, coming into the mid-cap mandate, there will, it will come with its own set of volatility, both in terms of returns as well as the performance. Uh, so, uh, yeah. but but see, our idea always remains to build diversified portfolio across different sectors, uh, so that uh, maybe across the cycle you are able to perform. Looking at the Mire uh, Midcap uh, portfolio, uh, there are many PSU stocks found in the portfolio. So, what are the reasons for opting for the PSU stocks in the Midcap uh, fund? So, no, so PSU names, whichever we are owning, that is on the merit of the business. Uh, 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 so, uh, so I think uh, if you look into many of the names, uh, one is on the merit of the business, and second, of course, the valuation uh, side of it. So, so as I mentioned, that thought process remains that to build portfolio with a good mix of growth as well as value, and uh, within PSU stocks also, whichever we are owning. Um, I think many of them are, uh, I think, uh, have, having a pretty decent sort of a track, um, I mean, uh, track record, but decent sort of entry barrier in maybe some of the cases might be monopoly also. Uh, so, uh, so I think any business coming into the portfolio has to be on merit of it and on basis of absolute risk reward. 
on that particular name, be it PSU, private, uh, we are not sort of a, um, <clears throat> I mean, we are not sort of a paint companies, ki bhai, um, I mean, this is PSU, so we will not invest in. Uh, it is all about, uh, I mean, absolute risk reward on any particular name. And then that is how it will come into the portfolio. All right. Just a couple of more questions before we wrap up. Uh, so within the last uh, uh, two, three years, Indian equity markets have seen a sharp fall and, you know, a euphoric rise thereafter. So can you please share which investment decision of yours during this period are you really proud of? Uh no, so there are uh, no so I mean uh, I mean generally people do discuss I mean only the maybe uh, um, I mean the winners only the success rate or maybe hit rate till now has been good uh, because clearly the sort of process we have laid out um, I mean try to avoid uh, uh, which helped us uh, try to avoid mistakes but having said that yeah I mean uh, uh, I mean there might be many of them but uh, but without let's say going into individual name and all i mean they might be there uh, i mean let's say onto the public domain uh, so see uh, maybe one name uh, let's say within auto space uh, the name which we picked up uh, uh, within the two wheeler space um, i mean might be underdog uh, at that point of a time uh, having sort of a lower market share but then uh, and this decision might be taken let's say maybe about four four and a half years back um, uh, and since then uh, maybe, maybe stock might be 5x so uh, uh, so so clearly i mean i think it is all about uh, i mean again well, i mean so this again comes into the second bucket side of it right i mean the entire street everyone was too much short-sighted focusing on to the near-term margin picture for that company <clears throat> that margins are not improving companies having subpar margin one company is making five percent uh, the other incumbent leaders are at 15 high teens sort of a margin <clears throat> but then really uh i mean uh, i mean i mean our sort of a thought process on that company has been that management is pretty much ahead in the game when it comes to the investing in the product brand technology futuristic technologies and which will obviously, uh, I mean, the expenses are front uh, are front loaded, right? I mean, because uh, because you are investing for let's say next 10, 20 years sort of a time horizon, and that is why your current margins are suppressed, right? But as and when some of those things do see light of the day, right, in terms of launches, and then your market share picking up, volumes getting built up, and all, and that is how typically the operating leverage is going to play out. And plus on top of that, even four or five years back, we were having some sort of a view around electric vehicle and all uh, uh, that, uh, <clears throat> that that is going to come up. And then uh, uh, clearly, I mean, we'll see uh, a significant sort of a, um, I mean, built up, right? So any company which is investing ahead of time to some of these technologies, uh, I mean, are eventually going to get winner or at least not going to get disrupted. Even if let's say there are new players to enter through let's say with this newer technology and that is how exactly the uh, i mean things have been playing out right <clears throat> so uh, so typically i mean i think sometimes it takes uh, a, i mean maybe more uh, more holistic sort of an approach uh, 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 while really understanding nuances of the businesses I mean, rather than just getting bogged down too much by the, the maybe PNL side of it, near term profitability, 
I mean, near-term growth market share side of it. So, so I think that remains uh, in many of the cases, and uh, I mean, while evaluating businesses, and that is how typically uh, I mean we do we do try to identify companies. Yeah. Lastly, Ankit, any regrets? Uh, any regrets uh, for uh, the any investment decision in the past? Ah. Uh, uh, so not really. I mean, I think, um, I mean, uh, uh, God has been very kind. I mean, I will say uh, so. And um, and even markets are very kind. So even if, let's say, you ended up uh, uh, making any sort of a mistakes, as far as mistake is not very big, right? Uh, you can hide uh, th that particular thing with so many other, uh, I mean, sort of a things, right? So, so and any which way, I mean, I think if you take 10 calls, um, if your hit rate is maybe... Uh, maybe seven, seven, uh, eight. Uh, higher is better, obviously, but seven, eight also out of ten is a decent sort of a hit rate. Uh, so, uh, yeah. All right. On that note, time for us to wrap up this chat. Uh, thank you, Ankit, for joining us and answering these questions. Okay. Thanks a lot, team, uh, for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Bye.